Hi, before we get into episode 15, just a couple of quick notes. First of all, to my regular listeners, I know, I know, I'm going to get back on schedule soon. (laughs) Second, to people who are subscribed to my email list, I just want to acknowledge, I know, I haven't been in touch in quite a few weeks. I have been slowly but surely, and I do mean slowly, making a transition from the Wix platform to WordPress. I will have my newsletter back up and running in a few weeks. If you are not already subscribed to my email list and you'd like to be, you can go ahead and send me an email at janae at gilmorefacilitationllc.com. And then finally, I just want to invite you to get excited because while this episode is me sharing some reflections solo, On the next episode, I'll be bringing on guest Noelle Ojo, who is the author of The Blackzit Effect, The African-American's Guide to Relocating to Africa. Super excited to bring you that conversation. Noelle has lived in five African countries, working for an NGO, working in the private sector, working for USAID, as she does today, but also having spent some years working for the State Department. Just brings a breadth of knowledge and experience and insight and it's going to be good times. You can already go to www.theblagzitteffect.com if you want to learn more about her book. All right, now for episode 15. Hi, welcome to I Want to Change the World. I'm your host, Janae Gilmore. That thought, I want to change the world, has been a guiding force behind so many decisions in my career and in my life in general. But what does it actually look like for me or anyone really to change the world? On this podcast, you'll hear about my ongoing journey to figure out my place in creating a better world. As you listen, I invite you to reflect on yours. Let's get ready to change the world together. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am still very much in the series, I want to change the world, dot, dot, dot. So I moved to Africa, but this week, instead of bringing you an interview, I am doing a two-month reflection. So today, May 6th, actually marks the the two-month point for me. Also, two days ago, I came to Accra and applied for my one-year residency permit. So now seems like the perfect time to pause and take a step back and think about what my major takeaways or reflections are from the time that I've spent here already. So just over a month into my stay here, I knew that I wanted to stay longer than the three months that I thought I was allowed to stay with my tourist visa. So I reached out to some folks and was able to get in touch with an immigration officer. And that's how I learned that actually the three months on the visa stamp relates to the three months that you have to enter the country. To stay for up to 60 days. So when I learned that, at that point, I had a decision to make. Was I going to keep applying for extensions? So essentially every few months going to Accra and hoping that it was a smooth process so that I could just extend my stay for a few more months? Or did I want to bite the bullet and go through the application process for the residency permit? So clearly I chose the permit route, and thankfully it was before I understood all the <laughs> all the costs and the time that it would take to wrangle the 
paperwork and the people needed to actually apply for the permit. Of course, now that I'm on the other side of the process, I kind of just look back and laugh at how stressed and on edge I was for the past few weeks trying to get this document together, get to this place to get this thing that I needed, all that kind of stuff. Because it's behind me and now I'm just happy and relieved to know that I can stay. And that's also interesting because the timeline for when I found out that I needed to start preparing to apply for this permit sort of parallels the timeline that I started to come out of the honeymoon phase of being here. And I'll talk a little bit about that later on in the episode. But, you know, transitioning out of the honeymoon phase doesn't mean that you don't want to be in the marriage anymore. It's just <laughs> you learn that there are some things that, that come as part of the package that maybe you hadn't fully wrapped your mind around <laughs> before you sealed the deal, if you understand what I'm saying. So my first reflection is that while I thought I was coming to Ghana for kind of a personal retreat, I was going to be walking by the ocean all the time and reading books, which is why I stuffed my, my suitcase full of those things. I thought I would be kind of in an isolated bubble. But as it turns out, I was actually in a bubble when I was at home. And this experience has forced me out of it. Let me explain what I mean by that. First of all, when I came here, I kind of imagined that as an introverted person who can also be shy, I was like, well, who am I even going to have meaningful conversations with around here? I thought that maybe cultural and language barriers would get in the way of me like really engaging with the staff where I'm staying or any of the, the people around me. But actually, I interact with people a lot. And it's through my interactions with people that I'm having what I think of as the most rich and interesting part of my experience. I mean, yes, I brought interesting books with me, but more than reading books or any of the other stuff that I do in the name of work or professional or personal development on my computer most days compares to what I'm learning and getting to experience through my interactions with people here. And now all of this time spent having conversations with people, especially people from such extremely different walks of life than myself, has shown me just how different an experience it is for me to be outside of the bubble I was living in before I came here. I think to some extent, I was living in an ivory tower of my own creation. Like my friends and my social circle were mostly made up of people who in important ways mirrored me, you know, my social position, education, my general income level, also my politics. And I had everything in place at home to view the world from that bubble, from where I lived to where I worked to, you know, who I, like I said, planted in my social circle. And to be thinking about it now, um, I find it so fascinating because it's clear to me that while this idea of I want to change the world has been with me for many years, in practice, I feel like I've been removed from the world in some ways. And viewing social issues like the things that I care about a lot more through the lens of abstraction. Like I'm the kind of person who was and still am 
quick to get on the soapbox about economic injustice and things like how Walmart and Amazon need to pay their workers more and their shareholders less. How much time do you think I spend having any type of meaningful interaction with a person who works, who works at either of those places? I think part of me was drawn to academia, which if you've listened to previous episodes, you know, I thought that that's what I was going to do with my life. I think I was drawn to that path and this fantasy that I carried with me for so long of being this intellectual who writes and thinks from a distance and figures out the solution to all of these problems. I think that was so appealing to me because real life and people are messy and complicated and it can be uncomfortable to be with people, like to read about them, know about their struggles is one thing, but to actually be with them is different. I've spent so much time zoomed out, like thinking about systems and structures, as opposed to being with or among people most impacted by the issues that I care about. Like, I can talk about the isms all day long, but especially when it comes to classism and economic justice issues, who do I spend my time around? But in Ghana, I spend time with people who are not like me. And I don't just mean people who are on the margins. I mean, I speak to some well-to-do people as well. What's interesting is that I get to listen to them and take in their stories and their experiences and their opinions, which sometimes are very different than mine. For example, I recently had a conversation with an investment banker who grew up in Ghana, but who went to school in the UK and now has been living there for several decades. And in his own words, he just cares about making money. And we got into this conversation around taxation and government on the one hand and the role of philanthropy on the other. And as I'm sure you can imagine, his views were very different than mine. But I got to hear him out and we had an interesting debate. And I won't go into the details of that debate, but if you listen to the episode Change from the Inside Out, you can kind of get a feel for the types of things I would have been saying. For someone like me who has spent my career in the nonprofit sector, mostly among other professional do-gooders who think about issues in a way very similar to how I think about them, how often do you think I've had the chance to have this type of debate? On the other hand, the people I interact with most in my everyday life here are people who, to be honest, will likely never have the chance to go abroad you know, unless I figure out this whole getting rich thing, because I do have a whole list of people who I want to bring back to America with me. And their stories have expanded my understanding of how people live here, how some people live here, and also what a human being can endure. And I don't know what that means for my life moving forward, but I think raising the question is a start. What does it look like or what could it look like for me to not have such a (laughs) carefully curated, comfortable bubble of sameness, maybe have more diversity of experience represented in who I spend my time with and 
Yeah, I'm sure we'll take intentionality because it's so easy to just fall in with who you know and who's like you. But really, I think there must be a way to maybe be as open and curious about people and how they live and their actual experiences at home as I am here. Reflection number two is about generosity and how being here amongst such truly generous people makes me reflect on how I am and how I want to show up in the world. So once again, in an abstract sense, I am all about sharing the wealth, fair taxation, social safety net for all. But when the rubber hits the road, like at the smallest level of interaction, if I'm honest with myself, I'm more like, we can share, and that means what's mine is mine, and what's yours is yours. Like here, you take yours, and I'll take mine, and we're sharing. But here I've seen what sharing looks like, and it looks different than, <laughs> than that version of it. So let me illustrate what I mean. I came to Accra with all of my paperwork, but also with people to file for my residency permit. So I needed two Ghanaian guarantors, people who would essentially put their names on the line and vouch for me that they would look after me and be responsible for me if I should get in any trouble. And their names are Solomon and Frank. So on the one hand, yes, they both worked for my friend, which is how I was able to recruit them in the first place. So in a sense, um, just their boss's American friend, whom I'm sure they knew they'd be expected to help look after even before I got in the country. That means both of them were always kind of bound to think of me and refer to me as Madame Janae and to try to spare me any inconvenience possible. But that kind of skewed aspect of our relationship aside, before I even asked them to be my guarantors, which they both must have known meant getting up super early one day, making the ride to Accra, and then spending a day with me navigating Ghana bureaucracy. They were already like the two main people who I call when I need anything. These guys in their individual ways pay attention to me and do everything they can to make sure that I am comfortable and I have everything that I need and a lot of the things that I want. But what blows me away is that they do it so generously and with care that's like from the heart. I know what it's like to feel like I'm inconveniencing someone or to, <laughs> to sense that someone feels that I'm inconveniencing them. And that's definitely not the vibe that I get from these guys. And I've seen this with other people too at the beach house, also with my friend's family. Just so caring and warm and generous in the sense of being generous with their time, their space. This would show up in my work sometimes. I, I would have a tendency to sometimes even view my team members <laughs> as an inconvenience if they were holding up a process that I was trying to lead. But now I have the opportunity to step back and hold that image against the image that I see here of being generous with one's time and there being no such thing as a person being an inconvenience. That's something that I admire and that I want to, to hold on to. I just feel like that's part of the invitation that I'm getting here is to rethink both generosity and hospitality, what those things mean to me and 
If I think that all people are valuable inherently and are just people doing their things, not obstacles to me maximizing my time or getting the stuff done that I need to get done, how would that change how I'm showing up in the world and in my interactions with other people? And then I mentioned sharing, and I'm going to now share an example here that (laughs) I think will stick with me forever. I hope will stick with me forever. So the guys and I, after we wrapped up after a very long day at immigration, including an interview with a very intimidating officer at one point, (laughs) we went to eat at KFC, which was obviously their choice, not mine, but whatever. And I just watched as they shared the chicken. Now, if it was me and there was like a box of chicken, I would have wanted to claim my pieces, like put them on my plate and the other person can claim their pieces and put it on their plate. But instead they had the chicken between them and they shared every single piece, like even the drumstick. I was even kind of waiting to see like which one would grab it, like the last piece of meat, like who's going to grab it. But instead of like one person picking it up and just like taking a bite out of it, claiming it as as his own, one person took it, put it in the middle, and they just like broke pieces off of it. And I've seen other people here eat that way. Like they they literally share their meal and someone else literally has their hands in the food that they're eating. And I think if you know me in real life, you understand. It's not something that that I'm used to. I don't know. You could say, oh, Janae, well, it's because you're an only child. But is it that? Is it my personality? Is it a Western thing? Because I feel like just generally in America, that's how we will handle things. Like, here's your plate. Here's your portion. Not, (laughs) Not necessarily sharing in that way, even with our friends. But to see that, I just thought it was beautiful. And it's one of those things that's like, what do I mean when I say I'm willing to share with you? What does that look like? Does it mean I'm going to take my portion and make sure it's the nicer portion and give you the rest? Does it mean that this thing is here and we're going to each get to take pieces from it? What does it mean for something to be mine versus something to be ours? So to summarize... Two months into this journey that I've made to Ghana, the reflections that have risen to the top for me are just how grateful I am to be here out of my bubble, out of my comfort zone, even though at the same time it means sometimes the messiness and discomfort of being out of my comfort zone. Two, I'm appreciative of just being challenged and stretched to really think about what generosity means to me and how I want to show up. Whether it comes to sharing time, money, or the gift of just listening to someone. All right, as always, I share my reflections in the hopes that you'll be able to reflect yourself. So I'm wondering what came up for you as you listened to me today. And as always, I love to hear from you if you want to share. So feel free to drop me a line either on Instagram at Miss Janae Ashley or via email at Janae at GilmoreFacilitationLLC.com. 
Until next time. Hey, before you go, if you want to, one, keep up with my blog, which I do post on sporadically, two, hear about my latest workshops and events, or three, learn more about my work as a facilitator and a coach, then I invite you to check out my website, www.gilmorefacilitationllc.com, and sign up for my email list. Until next time, remember, you're part of a beautiful community of people who want to change the world.